You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for February 18th, 2019. On today's show, we go in-depth with Apex Legends thanks to a special guest. From there, the crew dissects and analyzes the latest Nintendo Direct with a full recap and discussion, and they weigh in on the Activision Blizzard layoff news. All this in the usual segments on today's episode of the Max Level Podcast. On with the show. Lex Luger, current. Let's see. Let's see what this boy looks like. Don't do it. Don't do it. He looks like the guy who works at Spencer's at the mall, who's like, you could tell he's had a hard go. He kind of. The Wetzel's Pretzels manager. He looks like an Oblivion character from Elder Scrolls 4. <laughs> Is he living Kvatch? <laughs> We're going to name the city Kvatch. It looks like his face doesn't look right. Like it, it doesn't move correctly. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. That guy's got a lot. May he of rest guilt. in peace. He will be missed. Though. That guy's got a lot of guilt on him. Frank does that all the time, too. He kills off so many people that are still alive. <laughs> he always says, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Anyway, you know, if he's not dead yet, he will be. Just it's like, wait. It's like, dude, he's still alive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you didn't know, this is Max Level, a weekly video game podcast found right here at Level Down Games, where we do our very best to make sense of everything that happens each week in the industry, talk about the games we've been playing, and have a ton of fun. I'm Brian, and with us today, we have two individuals. The first one, you should recognize his voice. He is the Boomdog himself. It is Shanzi. Oh, yeah! You need to get, like, some some Macho Man stuff queued up eventually, dude. I I, I keep waiting for you to do that now. Because you're so good at the voice. You're so good at the voice. Boomdog's ready. (laughs) You ain't going nowhere. (laughs) No Frank this week with us for the very first time from Streamworks Alliance. We have Kyle. It's such big shoes to fill Frank. Like, I I don't know that I can replace Frank. I'm not even going to try. We should just end the episode now. Bye, everybody. I know what they say about big shoes. I think you're going to do great. Oh, jeez. Big shoes, huh? Interesting. Big shoes to fill with Frank being gone. (laughs) Big big shoe Frank. That's what they call him. Big shoe equals what now? I have no idea. But. Special shout out to Dance with the Dead. I'll get back to that for allowing us to use their music for our videos. <laughs> Everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music. They can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. Don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us and leave that five star rating and a review so we can continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. Since Max Level and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project, you can directly support the show and the brand through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the show. Thanks in advance, if you choose to do so. Now, normally, we would be transitioning to campaign games where we talk about the main things that we've been playing over the past seven days. But before we do that this week, I really want to take a few minutes and allow Kyle to introduce himself formally and kind of talk in detail about what Streamworks Alliance actually is and his Twitch streams. You've heard us talk about this before on the Max Level Podcast. If you go to our website, leveldowngames.com, you can see the blurb about Streamworks Alliance. If you don't watch him on Twitch, you can actually see him stream on our website as well. I mean, we literally just pull it right from Twitch and paste it on there for whenever he's live. If he's not live, it's not there. But if he is live, it is there. So 
since we have you on the show, Kyle, and this is kind of your thing, I figured we'd let you take a few minutes and just really dive into this and, and tell us what it's all about. Yeah, for sure, man. So I'm I'm a pediatric doctor of physical therapy in Las Vegas and pediatric physical therapy mostly in in this city but sometimes generalized throughout the country is is and not just physical therapy but pediatric medicine is pretty underserved in a lot of different places and so one of the things that i wanted to do was kind of give back to the community and to the patients that i see on a daily basis by any, any way that i could and I don't make enough money to really make, you know, put put a big hole in the deficits and the debts that a lot of these uh, charities and foundations and funds and, and research are, are going into. And so trying to figure out a way to mesh something that I love to do, which is video games. I've been playing video games since I was real young. And it's a, something that a lot of my patients really like to do as well because I see kids anywhere from zero to 18 years old. So I, you know, started thinking about that and something that I could do in order to bring those two things together and kind of make a difference in, in the community and help out families and charity funds and, and research funds that needed that. And so kind of came up with this little experiment, Streamworks Alliance, to try to raise money what, what we're going to do is once a year have a charity stream where me and a couple of other streamers who uh, have have yet to be named but will be named in the future uh we've got some big names you know really good streamers planned bring them together and over the course of you know 48 or 72 hours a weekend probably in november every year we'll try to raise money through donations, subscriptions, bits, anything that you can do on Twitch to raise money and put that together towards a common fund and goal. Kind of started as a little experiment that I was doing. Uh, ended up messaging you, Brian, pretty quickly after I conceptualized this entire thing. And you really liked the idea and we kind of got together and, and brainstormed about it a little bit and it's really kind of taken off we've got some businesses that are really excited about participating in it lots of you know raffle prizes and and giveaways that people want to get involved with because they like the idea of it too i've known obviously a lot of gamers throughout my life just because most of my friends are gamers and i'm a gamer and gamers are kind and giving and selfless people and really are into giving back to their community. And if you need any more evidence of that, look at every time, you know, Games Done Quick does a stream or every time one of these big gamers does a charity stream. It's huge. It's always huge. And not that I'm playing off of people's emotions, but, you know, if 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 this is a community that's big on giving and loves to give, then I've got big ideas in order to get their charity and their kindness into good organizations that could really use it. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a fantastic thing that you've started to do. And like you mentioned there, when you told me about it, I really I fell in love with the idea and just wanted to help out any way that I could. And really just even if it was only just in terms of like awareness, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the big thing right now is starting up a Twitch stream from the ground up is not easy. There's nope. 
a hundred thousand people out there <laughs> streaming <tried. laughs> to one, two, or three. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a hundred thousand people out there streaming to one, two, or three viewers, and so getting you know an audience together to watch you do anything is difficult. You have to be good and you have to be entertaining, and. I'm I'm kind of a bad mix of both of those, but it, it, it's enough. I think there's there's been a, f- a few people that have stopped by, and we're we're pulling a small audience now. The stream is at you can like you said you can find it at leveldowngames.com, and there's a Streamworks Alliance in the sidebar now, a little section in the sidebar, which that means that I have my own section on the website and you don't. So I think legally I actually own Level Down Games. Now. <laughs> uh... So. I don't, we'll have to talk about the legality of that later. I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how that works. But. You want to pay the hosting fee? <laughs> Be as my guest. Do you want to own as, it? Go ahead. As long as I still have access to the admin panel, dude, we're good. Go ahead. <laughs> but you can, so you can either find the stream, like you said, at the Streamworks Alliance page on leveldowngames.com or twitch.tv slash Bruce Deduce. It's B-R-U-C-E underscore d-e-d-e-u-c-e and just like with the podcasts or with the level down games youtube channel all it takes for a decent show of support is going to it clicking the follow button or the subscribe button and being a part of it every now and then telling your friends about it that's really all it is right now is trying to get an audience so that when we do this charity stream in november with other streamers it is a success and we can continue to do it year after year and make it a thing that people like to do and people are excited about yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens the, later this year when you actually do your first event. I mean, you know, you're consistently in the double digits for for viewership. But every time I pop in, you always have at least 10 or more, which is really cool. I mean, it's for only doing it for a little over a month. I think you're doing great. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens, man. I really am. Yeah, I am, too. It's it's a ton of fun. Uh, play a variety of games, really. Mostly lately, it's just been freaking Apex Legends. But a variety of games and I play I play three times a week. I'm usually streaming three times a week unless something happens and something comes up and I've got to take care of real life. But other than that, it's about three times a week. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned Apex Legends because you actually wrote a fantastic review for leveldowngames.com. Uh, one of the best reviews I think I've posted in a while on the website, man. That was really good. Oh, stop. You're flattering me. I am. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was impressed by that review. But uh, that noise there means we're going to now transition into campaign games. And did you actually want to talk about Apex Legends? Because last week, Frank, Sean and I kind of didn't really get on board with Apex Legends. We definitely dumped on it. (laughs) And uh, you giving it a glowing review and just been having a ton of fun with it. I kind of want to get a contrasting opinion on that. Apex Legends has been the most fun I've had playing a competitive video game since I was knee deep in your in a League of Legends years ago <laughs> and hating my life every night when I went to bed because my team was feeding. It's it is so well made, which and I said in the review, I almost didn't want to like it because I don't like EA very much. Just the, just their kind of business practice. They make decent games every now and then. That's that's inarguable. But their business practice is frequently uncouth. And where's yes, my Titanfall three? Ooh, bad news, <laughs> bud. Um, and it and that's what it looks like. It kind of looks like this was the you know the the Titan to Overwatch syndrome, where they had big plans for something, things didn't quite pan out as they thought, and so we got we got Apex Legends out of the Titanfall three assets. 
I couldn't be happier about that, which sounds crazy because Titanfall 3 could have been so good. This game is so well polished. It's so made, so well made. And it's it's been out less than two weeks now. And there's something like 30 million unique users. It's absurd. Every day I go on Twitch, man, it consistently has more viewers than Fortnite. That's and Fortnite, obviously huge game took over the world. It, it Fortnite is in that that small sect of games that actually transcend video games and become a piece of pop culture, right? God like tier. World of Warcraft did for, you know, a certain point, but the dances from Fortnite, every kid from four to 19 is doing the floss, right? And the rocket or whatever these dances are called. This game is dethroning that one. And so obviously a huge achievement and a huge achievement for a game that two weeks ago, nobody knew the name of. Absolutely. It wasn't a game I had ever even heard of or knew coming. And then boom, here's Apex Legends. It's available today. It's free. And it's going to be everybody's new favorite game. I am not a Battle Royale player. I tried PUBG. I tried Fortnite. Apex Legends has me captivated. It is the perfect amount of challenging and competitive and ultimately rewarding if you're good enough to get that far. I know I've watched you stream it quite a few times since it came out. And I will say that my opinion on it has changed since last week. I'm still, I'm not a battle Royale guy unless I'm playing Tetris 99, which I think is freaking awesome. Oh, but, just wait till we get there. But. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't wait. Cause that is, unless you have bad things to say, but I am enjoying Tetris 99. You and me both. I think apex legend is a lot of fun to, to be a viewer for now. I would suck at it. I'm terrible at first person shooters. I say this all the time. Uh, I am not a shooter guy. I, I play them. But I'm not good at them. I play them single player when they have a campaign, but I don't play them competitively or through multiplayer because I'm never that good. But I've been having a lot of fun watching people play Apex Legends, and I never got that satisfaction from Fortnite. I was never a fan of actually watching like Ninja play Fortnite. I just never got into it. I think Fortnite. I'm glad something is actually dethroning Fortnite. Just the other day <laughs> when I was on Twitch, Shroud, who if I'm not watching you play Apex Legends, I'm usually watching him. He mm -hmm. had he had more viewers on his channel than the entirety of Fortnite combined. Oh, yeah. Watching him play Apex Legends. And I thought that was 250,000 such... viewers the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Fortnite had like it was somewhere in like the 140s or 130s of, of like yep. concurrent viewers. And like he was shattering it by sometimes over 100,000, which was just such an, a huge accomplishment. And I, I kind of have to wonder what this is going to do to Ninja. Is he going to maybe just be the last one kind of carrying that Fortnite banner? Or is, is maybe he going to now try to transition over to Apex? He's Legends been well? playing quite a bit of Apex Legends himself during the day. Yeah, because I haven't actually I haven't actually caught any of his Apex streams. Got to go where the audience is. Yeah, you really do. I mean, that's just that's how you stay relevant. It's how you stay afloat. <laughs> Absolutely. It's almost um, kind of disheartening. It feels like the, the evil empire is rising to the top again and everybody's just welcoming them, welcoming them back, you know? But, but that's uh, good for us, though. It it's, is. it's good because it gives us more. And, you know, nothing makes me happier than to see Fortnite start to tilt. And, and, and I know that that sounds very petty and childish, but for a serious gamer like me who, who really loves games that have more to offer as far as content and experience brs really just kind of rub me the wrong way sometimes because it's all about just getting on and being better than everyone else and then you don't feel like a success unless you place high enough and the gameplay experience isn't fruitful so the the good news about apex is that you can roll with more than just like a two-man squad 
and it's mainstream and popular and you can have three of your, you know, best rolling and enjoying it. And that was kind of what was attractive to me about Call of Duty was you could have a team and you could do that. So I'm excited for what people can do with it. I probably won't play. You know, the, the, the whole class system thing is something that I would look into more to see what kind of mixes you can do and how you can change up the experience. That's a, that seems intriguing. It's not just a, you have your pickaxe and you get your gun and you go. Um, but yeah, you know, it kudos to whoever enjoys it. It looks fun. I think it's more of a spectator sport for me. Right. Which is kind of where I'm at. Like, definitely, it's, I'm just going to be a viewer going forward. Sean. Did you play anything this week? Did you have time? Yeah, you know, I went back to Zelda and I know we've already talked about it, but um, I wanted to talk about and and this guys, I got something to admit. I I broke down. I, I just looked up where to get the hearts, man. <sighs> I couldn't do it. Anymore. Oh, man. Can you tell me why the fifth bush to the right on whatever <laughs> tile of the map is where the one you burn down to go down and get either a heart or a potion? I mean, who's going to find that? You got to burn all the bushes. Somebody try. did. Somebody you did find burn it. one bush per tile, and there's 65 bushes on there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then you put random bombs somewhere where it doesn't even look like a cave. That's what I love about games is they figured out that we're not that smart sometimes. Like we're not just gonna run around the map throwing bombs everywhere and hope. Like they always have like little cracks in the wall and all the other Zeldas and stuff. That was nice. They were not nice in this game. They decided that they were not going to be nice. They didn't want to be nice in this game. That's why the cracks exist in future games, because they realized people couldn't <laughs> find half the stuff in the game. Oh, my gosh. Well, no. N- uh, NES cartridges held such little information that they had to make the games artificially hard to prolong the playtime, which this week I've also been playing Kirby's Adventure, which came out on Netflix Ooh, on what, such a good Tuesday game. or Wednesday. It's so good. Such a good game it's easier than I remember. And I, I really expected it to be harder because, again, the NES era, games had to be hard in order to increase the playtime. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's, which Kirby is, has never been a series accused Correct. of being difficult. I just was going to say that. It, it, Kirby's never really been difficult because it actually yeah. is like an introductory game for, for kids, more or less. Right. Which, which is, I still love it. I just played through Star Allies last year and had a blast. So oh, it's still so fun. I wish Frank was here because Frank has so much to say on this. Frank, Frank you know, is not even not even Zelda, but Frank, Frank is a he's he's still alive. But Frank, <laughs> yeah, he, he will be missed. He will be missed. Frank, Frank is such a Kirby guy as well. So, I mean, he definitely would have a lot to say. And uh, I, I know because he just talked about playing the Game Boy version, which is actually the original Kirby last week on the show. Right. Yeah. Um, so how far did you make it in Zelda? So I went and I got the blue ring. And I also got the magic sword, the the best one in the graveyard. Yeah. And now I'm just kind of working my way to try to figure out which dungeon I left off at. I think that if you don't keep track of that, you're in trouble because I've gone into three places I've already been and and (laughs) getting getting to them is no small task. You know, you're like, yeah, I found it. All right. And then you walk in, you're like, oh, I've already been here. This is great. So you're but about at the halfway point. I'm, I'm trying to think. So you're about at the halfway point of the game. I would think. Yeah, you're pretty right, far. Right, right around there. Yeah. Maybe a little out over halfway. Got the power glove. I got the ring, you know, um, bow and arrow. I, I think I've gotten up to like six dungeons or something like that. Um, oh, yeah, you definitely yeah, passed yeah. halfway then. Yeah, yeah, I know you're definitely good. Uh, I'm excited for you to finish it because I, I want you to move on to Zelda 2 and, and see what, what a stark difference that is between 
the uh, the first game in A Link to the Past. Which, talking about Zelda real fast, if there is ever a game that I want to see a remake or a re-envision of, it's Adventures of Link, because everyone says that. It's like, it's like when you backhand compliment somebody, you know? I feel like that game receives so much crap because of the uh, platformer style and it, what it could have been. I wonder if the story would hold up well if they just gave it a reimagining where if they did a top down or if they did a 3D or, or something like that, because I am excited to play it. And it's sad that I have to have people tell me that every time we talk about the game, like, uh, what you know, what, what do you think about it? Like, it's a Zelda game. I, I think that it should be great. Yeah, I enjoy the game. It's just it's very different from what a normal Zelda is. I, I do enjoy it, though. But maybe maybe if this upcoming Zelda remake that does well later this year that we're going to talk about in a little bit, if it does well, maybe they'll end up remaking Zelda 2 as well, because it definitely could use it. It definitely could use it. Ooh, let's talk about you, Brian. Yeah. And, and to do that, I want to immediately transition into Tasty Treats because I haven't really played. I've played a lot of things this week. As Sean, I was talking to you. I actually just counted this morning before we got started. I have 13 games on my list this week and None of them I really could say I, I would want to focus on the most. I think the one I would probably focus on the most is the one I'll end off with. So I'm just going to briefly touch on everything that I have played um, just because I, I was rapid fire playing games this week because I really wanted to. Knock some things off of my list, and I did. I finished seven games this week. Holy but, cow. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I, I mean, I, I really wanted to to make a dent. I was behind in my list. Now I'm up by like two weeks where I wanted to be at for the 100 game challenge that I'm completing this year. But and I, I made a sizable dent in my backlog as well. So I finished Kingdom Hearts three. I mean, you know, our, our spoiler cast is up on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube.com forward slash level down games, you can listen to Frank and I discuss in length about an hour's worth of a spoiler cast for Kingdom Hearts three, where we dive into the story of the game, dive into the ending, dive into the after scene movies and really just speculate on what could be coming next. I will have a text review up on leveldowngames.com soon to toot your horn real fast. That spoiler cast filled in a lot of holes. You know, there was a lot of stuff even you guys were talking about in the cast that you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. And this is what happened here. And I yeah. think that's what's great about this game is there's so much that you could come together on. And the spoiler cast actually helped you know, me understand the series as a whole in case I wanted to jump in on four when it comes out in 18 years. Perfect. You know? So yeah. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and, and not to mention anything we talked about in the spoiler cast, just because I don't want to put spoilers in, in our show here. But check that out, because because Frank and I stumbled upon something near the end of the spoiler cast that I think is really interesting. And uh, and shout out to Frank for actually thinking to to look that up, because it actually it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit and uh, thinking potentially where it could go next. Uh, I also finished the new Super Luigi U portion of new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Now, I have already played through and completed new Super Mario Bros. U when it came out on the Wii U, but I never actually purchased that donut looks good, but I never actually purchased um, <laughs> new Super Luigi U. I didn't actually buy that add on. I, I know they sold it individually as well, but I never actually bought that because it was more or less the same thing just with Luigi and a couple different characters like Nabbit and like the Toadette and all that kind of stuff that weren't in the original. So Jessica and I sat down and played through new Super Luigi U and had a ton of fun. I mean, she's still not that good at Mario games, which I, I always laugh at when we're playing through them. 
but we had fun playing through it. And uh, I mean, it was just a couple hours worth of an experience. A couple, you know, I think there's six worlds in that. If I'm remembering correctly, just had a fun. So, yeah, finished New Super Luigi. You found me as well. The last time I played one of the new Super Mario Bros games, and this is the reason I don't anymore, and I hope she doesn't get mad at at me for saying this. Well, we were only married for probably two years. My wife and I are sitting down and we're we're playing. And my wife actually likes video games, by the way. She she, we're sitting down. We're we're playing together co-op. Which co-op in the new Super Mario Bros. games is actually versus mode. It really is. They just just label it as co-op. It breaks families. It's it's actually find a way to kill your friend. So we're playing and I'm actually trying to help her. And she could never really get down the the age-old Mario concept of hold the one button to run and then push your thumb down a little more and you can jump, right? She a Yoshi came out and you needed a Yoshi to this large chasm and the Yoshi kept kept running off the cliff and the Yoshi runs off the cliff again. This is like the 10th time it's happened. And I'm kind of laughing to myself, but loudly in our house, she goes, F you dinosaur. <laughs> and, she, and she threw the Wiimote on the ground and she she started crying and I'm laughing so hard. <laughs> And I'm laughing and I feel so bad because she's crying. And, she, and I, we've only been, we haven't been married long enough for her to laugh at her crying. And I'm like, babe, it's fine. Like, just calm down. And she's like, no, I'm effing done with this game. And she like went upstairs. I think that was the last time I ever played that game. <laughs> I could see how that would make that happen. The, the PTSD still, the scars are still too deep in our home. <laughs> just wait for the next uh, new Super Mario Bros game to come out, man, on the Switch. Besides this one, besides this one, and then uh, you're gonna have to try again. I know. I I love the Mario games. She jump doesn't, back, but I do. In, yeah, it's kind of like how Jessica is too. Like she she's never been good at Mario, and she knows that. And I mean, like I am very fast with Mario games. Like I speed through these levels, especially the like the the ones that are done in this style. I don't spend much time in a level. I literally run through it. I skip. I I don't kill things. I just jump over everything. I I very much speed run them. And uh, Jessica takes her time and is very meticulous when playing these and i literally would get so far ahead that she couldn't see her character she's like i'm just going to die aren't i i was like yes but i'll bring you back at the end and you can be alive for the end of the level just bubble <laughs> and that's just exactly bubble. what she does man she would she would die early on bubble through the level until we got to the end i'd bring her back and we'd finish and then continue on and especially like in the castles and that kind of that was just i could i can't play those games cooperatively because I'm too quick and I kill people. Uh, I finally got around to finishing Hitman 2. I had two missions left in that. I've, I've literally had two missions left in that since like December. And I never got around to to finishing that. So I sat down and did that this week. Kyle, have you played the latest Hitman games? No. My God, you need to. I know. They are so good, man. Just what they did with the remake in 2016 and now what they did with Hitman 2 last year. It is just phenomenal. Like. It is it is great game design. It is great game design. I've watched a lot of the game on on Twitch and YouTube. Let's plays things like that. And it looks really amazing. It would be it would be something fun for you to do even for your stream as well, because there's so many different ways to do those stages. And you can literally play the same mission over and over and over again and have a different experience at least 10 times because there's so many different ways to take out your targets and there's so many different ways to progress through the levels. I think it'd be fun to watch you do Sean. 
I played the liar princess and the blind prince on the switch. I saw that. I was going to harass you because you're online when I was playing, uh, Damon X Machina. Yeah, no, I played a lot of uh, Liar Princess and the Blind Prince over the past week, which is a game we talked about last week. And uh, you and Frank both showed interest in that game because of how like the art style was and like how yeah. it kind of looked. It's so good. It's a great experience. So it's it's your basic puzzle platformer. It's all it is. And not to really spoil anything story wise about the game, because the game is fresh. It just came out this past week. You are in the shoes of this princess who I will say, not a spoiler, is a liar, but I'm not going to tell you why she's a liar. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to tell you why she's a liar, but I think I'm going to have to put it in the review anyway. So do I, should I, I don't don't really know. Uh, Does does the prince have any, any form of vision? He does not. He is blind, but he had, he had vision at the start of the game. So I'm going to have to tell you, I'm sorry. Um, when the, the, it's the opening cutscene, so it re- is it really spoilers? It's probably in the trailer. I don't know, so it's probably not really spoilers. But the princess is not really a princess. The princess is not really a human. The princess is a wolf, a man-eating monstrous wolf. Who, wait, 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 wait. Is is the princess a wolf or a wolf? A wolf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With an L. <laughs> I say, I say, wolf. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to be bashful about wolf. it. <laughs> it's a wolf. A but, wolf. <laughs> but she has and, and, the, and the wolf is a she. She has a great singing voice and, and monsters can talk in this game. They, they have voices, but she has a great singing voice. And every night the prince will come and listen to her. And this again, this opening cutscene. listen to her sing. And she sits on top of a mountain in the forest and the prince can't see her. So he comes in, he sits down and listens to her sing and, and loves her voice and starts clapping. And the wolf starts really appreciating the attention that she's getting from the prince because someone is paying attention to her and, and acknowledging mm. her, her great voice. So the prince decides one night that he wants to see who this voice belongs to. So he climbs the mountain while she's singing and not wanting to be discovered and scared that the prince was actually climbing the mountain because she didn't know it until she turned over and saw him. Literally, as soon as he gets up, slashes at his face with her claws and like takes out both of his eyes. So the wolf is the reason that the prince is blind and the prince tumbles off of the hill and lands down and has to like be treated. And his family in the castle are pissed off that he did this. And now that he's blind, so they lock him away in a dungeon. So the wolf sneaks into the castle and is it just feels terrible about what she did. So there's a witch in the woods. Of course there is. But she goes to see the witch in the woods and wants to help cure the prince and get his sight back. But she also really wants to get closer to the prince. So she asks the witch to turn her into a princess because she, again, wants to get closer to the prince. So Uh you can freely change back and forth in this game. And that's why I had to say it, because it really is crucial to the gameplay between a wolf and a princess. When you're playing as the wolf, you have access to higher jumping abilities and combat. You can slash at enemies and foes with your claws. When you're playing as the princess, you are very prone to being attacked by enemies. But it's the only way to lead the prince through the levels. Because you can't hold the prince's hand as a wolf because then the prince will know that you're a liar and that you're the wolf that actually slashed his eyes out. So you have to transition into the princess and you hold the prince's hand and guide him through the levels. So you can't progress unless you're actually pulling the prince along with you. So it's a puzzle platformer that you're utilizing both characters. So it'd be 
it would be a great game that actually was co-op to where if you actually had to play, you know, one person was the princess and one was the prince, but it works to where you're playing as both characters and they are tethered together by holding hands. So you do have to like drop this prince off and progress a little bit through the level by yourself. Like if he needs to stand on a switch to open up something for you to, to get like a collectible or to do something else. Uh, there's been a couple of times that I've gotten stuck and didn't know what to do until I mean, it took me like 20, 30 minutes to figure it out. That sounds very laborious. It sounds like the entire game is an escort mission and therefore it is. I'm out. It actually is an escort <laughs> mission. Absolutely. If I wanted to escort somebody, I'd go to the Red Ridge Mountains. <laughs> I would go play that real annoying. in the nuts. That real annoying part of Resident Evil 4 where you have to escort oh, that girl. My God. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I like cutesy things when it comes to video games. I like endearing stories. And I, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. I know I'm actually close to the end. And, and shout out to our friends over at NIS America. They did provide us with a copy of the game. And I think I have like one complete world left and then the final area. So I, I'm actually. Are you reviewing it? End. I am. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I am. I am. It looks I'm, awesome. It, it did look awesome. Yeah. No, the graphics are, are literally the selling point. I actually had to call Jessica in here and like in, into the studio when I was playing it. Like, you have to see this game. And, and the cool thing is that I'm playing it on the Switch so that way, because she really only plays games on handheld stuff unless she has to use her PS4. So, you know, she she really prefers her 3DS and her Vita, but that's why she's such a big fan of the Switch as well. So she's actually going to play through this uh, after I'm done because she she thought it looked kind of cool. Um, another game that I played this week, and, I, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce this. It came out at the tail end of 2018. Uh, G-R-I-S is the name of the game. I think it's Gree. I think it's I, I think it's Gree. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Gree. Have you seen this, Kyle? This game? Oh, yeah. This is amazing, dude. Yeah, it looks incredible. I'm so mad at myself that I didn't play this earlier. <laughs> this it's it's a very it's an emotional game, which is the reason why I'm not really going to dive into the story, because it's one of those that and I'm not reviewing this. I just picked it up because I heard so many good things about it. I was actually listening to. Uh, Jim Sterling and, and Laura Kate Dale on the Jimquisition uh, a couple weeks back talk about this game and it really made me want to pick it up and play through it. So I did and I'm glad that I did because this game is fantastic. So again, I'm not going to spend much time on it. I think it's a game that you just have to experience and, and really enjoy. I will say I'm putting up a bonus episode of our BG Mania video game music podcast because the soundtrack is superb. So that that's actually the bonus episode for this month. Looks much more uh, about the experience than the gameplay, really, a la Journey. It is because right. it really there isn't any gameplay, really. I mean, it is right, Journey. Right. It's Abzu. It's it's a game where you are just taking your character through levels, basic jumping. And, you know, you can collect like one thing, which is like the uh, the memories or whatever. But that's it. So you're otherwise it's just about the experience of the game, about the story being told. What little I mean, there's a story there, but it's not really. It's one of those. It is like like you mentioned journey where it's not like thrust into your face. You kind of have to figure it out as you go what's happening. So I I, I like that a lot. Two of the games that we actually that I played this week, we're going to save when we talk about our our recap for the Nintendo Direct. That's Damon X Machina's demo and Yoshi's Crafted Worlds demo. So we'll talk about that in a minute, as well as Tetris 99. Um, When I'm upstairs at night, I've been playing a lot of my Super Nintendo Classic, as I've mentioned before, with a link to the past. But I actually played Tetris Attack and Super Mario World. This past week, Tetris Attack because of Tetris 99. So I wanted to play through like one of the original Super Nintendo games that I enjoyed and Super Mario World because it's been a while since I've played through that. So I did that. 
what else did I play? I finally finished Freedom Planet on the Nintendo Switch, which is like one of those love letter throwbacks to Sonic the Hedgehog. Fantastic game. I put up a mm. review for it um, over the summer on leveldowngames.com, but I still had like one and a half stages. And I tend to do that a lot is that I'll write the review when I get to the end of the game, but then never remember to go back and finish the game which is literally well, probably half of my backlog is games that I'm sitting at the end of the game. I just need to fire up and finish one last time. So I did that and I started playing Metro Exodus, which came out on Friday, February 15th. Shout out to our friends over at Deep Silver. They did provide us with a copy of the game in order to do coverage and a review, but I didn't get the copy until late Thursday night, early Friday morning. So I didn't really get a chance to spend too much time with it because I was trying to finish The Liar Princess and The Blind Prince and the next game that I'm going to mention, which is the last one that I played this week. So I'll have a lot more to say on Metro Exodus next week, as I will with Far Cry New Dawn, which also came out on the 15th and maybe Anthem if I jump into Anthem early. I'm not sure if I'm going to yet or not. Ooh. Good, good luck. I've I've got my fill of EA games right yeah, all dude, you, you, bud. You're 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 neck deep in Apex Legends, so uh, you're skipping out on an anthem. I'm assuming. I think I'm going to, yeah. Which is interesting because that's something that Sean talked about last week. Is that you know putting those two games so close together would it really cannibalize one or the other? And and maybe it actually will cannibalize Anthem to an extent. Um, the last game that I played this week that I want to spend just a few minutes on, and then we'll move on because we are trying to do this in a timely manner today. Is Death and Request which is an obscure JRPG that is coming out tomorrow, Tuesday, February 19th for the PlayStation 4. And again, shout out to our friends over at Idea Factory because they provided us with a, a copy of this game as well. I like Compile Heart, even though they're obscure JRPG developers and they, they tend to get a lot of flack because they do put a lot of fan service into their games. I always enjoy their experiences because I think underneath all that stuff, underneath the silliness, underneath the uh, the fan servicey stuff, there are deep RPG mechanics involved. And this game is definitely no different. It's one of those where you are stuck in an online, like an online virtual game, like a virtual VR MMORPG. So very much like a setting, like sort of online or something like that. If for, I was about to say this anime. is sort yeah, of online. Absolutely, online. it's it's yeah. sort of it's sort of online. In a in a game that is better than all the sort of online games that have been released, because I've played all the sort of online games and they are all not that good. They are all pretty bad. This game actually is really good. So you are playing as this girl and trying to she she's the developer of the game and her friend finally finds her. She's been missing for a year. But and, you, and where I'm at in the game, I haven't finished it yet. I still don't know where the where the actual girl's body is, but somehow she was actually transported into this game. And the game was shut down. So the, her friend, the other developer of the game, sees that the servers came back online and that there's one person in there. So he like hacks his way in and finds out that it's her. And now you have him on the outside world and her on the inside world working together, trying to to figure out what exactly is going on. And you switch back and forth between the two characters when you're actually as her, you're actually inside the game. And when you play as him, you're trying to, like, use what you find in the game to go talk to people in the outside world, do interviews and, and find clues because you'll get stuck in the actual VR MMORPG and you can't progress until he figures something out. So that'll unlock a new section of the of the world in the game. So I actually really like how they did this. And I think it's, it is an interesting mechanic how you have to switch back and forth between the virtual world and the real world, not the crappy MTV show that was that the Miz came from. But 
still. <laughs> <laughs> Utilizing those two aspects to to make a game. I think it's fun. So sounds awesome. Sounds like a sounds like a really cool concept for a game if it could be pulled off correctly and it is. you give it a glowing review. Sounds like it did. Yeah, yeah. And I'll definitely have a review up for this one as well. Uh soon ish on lovedowngames.com. And yeah, I don't know. It's very niche. I mean, obviously, it's definitely not for everyone. I mean, it's probably not for that many people, to be honest. It, will it do well? Probably not. But I'm enjoying it because it's definitely for me. It's the type of stuff I like to play. So that was my rapid fire discussion of. And again, I saved a couple things that we're going to talk about in our Nintendo Direct recap. So that's what I've played this week. I So out of everything I talked about, I finished Kingdom Hearts 3, Hitman 2, New Super Luigi U, Gree, Tetris Attack, Super Mario World and Freedom Planet. So seven games, bringing my total up to 17 for 2019 in the 100 game challenge. Frank still sits at eight. I think he did finish something. I talked to him briefly, but um, he'll be back next week to really update us on his quest to finish 52 games, half of what I'm doing. So may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Yeah, he will be missed. He, yeah. def- he yeah. definitely will be. He was he was a good guy, but I mean, it was inevitable. Look at him. It was inevitable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> uh, man, I, I, I got to get my one Frank joke in there on the episode, even though he's not here and, and he'll hear that. I miss and, him. Yeah, I know, man. I know it's, it hurts a little inside. Kyle, you're great. No offense, man. But <laughs> you're you're no Italian you. love machine. It's big shoes. To, it's we, big shoes to fill. And I got these tiny little feet. We should write that song, dude. <laughs> Italian love machine. That might be a number one hit. Italian love machine. Uh, <laughs> That's on there, though. Means it's time to transition to the weekly scoop news report. Do you want to discuss the Nintendo Direct recap now? Or do you want to talk about Activision Blizzard? Let's go Let's... recap. Oh, man. I was going to say the other one. Nope. You want to? Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> Kyle is conceding. So that means we are kind of going to transition now and talk about the Nintendo Direct, which just happened this past Wednesday, six days ago, as of the time of this podcast posts on Wednesday, February 13th. And I think this was this was a big direct, dude. Not everyone's probably going to be happy with it because it definitely was very Japanese RPG <laughs> anime heavy. So if you're not a huge fan of those types of games, I could see why you'd walk away disappointed. But if you're a fan of those games, this was probably the biggest direct Nintendo's ever done. What do you think, Sean? I'm excited. You're over, the, you're over there flipping your eyebrows. So what are, you, what are you doing? I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it. I, this direct was a lot of fun, you know, because there was a lot of stuff that came out that we didn't hear much about, and it was pleasantly uh, delivered, and it was a good surprise. You know, a lot of times when directs come out and it's not the big splash that people are expecting, you walk away feeling a little jaded and disappointed. And that wasn't this way. Like, I've, I really did enjoy what was shown and it made me excited for things that I didn't know about. Right. I agree. I and agree. that's dope. You know, we don't get that very often. No, no. I picked out 15 things I want to make sure we mention. But before we do that, Kyle, I know you're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, man. So they tweeted out before the direct the day before said, all right, we're going to have a direct. It's going to be about Fire Emblem and the Goblet of Fire or whatever Hogwarts themed. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what, that's what it is. It's Harry Potter Fire Emblem. And which is fine because I'm not a super huge Fire Emblem fan, but I can be if you throw in a little Harry Potter. So <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably play Fire Emblem in the Sorcerer's Stone. I'll probably do that. But waiting for <laughs> waiting for Fire Emblem and the Prisoner of Azkaban to be shown on the direct, <laughs> they kept 
showing Japanese RPGs. And so it's like, it's like, and here's a new game. And I was like, oh, okay, this is Fire Emblem and the, and the Half-Blood Prince. And it wasn't, it was <laughs> Astral Chain, which I like platinum games, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, so, okay, we got a, we got a new Japanese game. And then it's not Fire Emblem again, it's Dragon Quest Eleven. And I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. You know, I guess, I guess I could maybe play a Dragon Quest game. And then it was Final Fantasy. And then it was Damon X Machina. And, and then it was Okinaki. And then it was Rune Factory. And I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. Where is my Animal Crossing? I was getting so mad watching this stupid thing. And I was like, this, and I like Japanese RPGs. I don't dislike them. Mm-hmm. Unless that's all there is. That is the biggest complaint I have. And it's really not even a complaint with this direct, because I do think this is my favorite direct that Nintendo has done just because so many games really spoke to me. But there wasn't a lot of variety. You're right. I mean, <laughs> we didn't see Animal, which clearly Animal Crossing is being saved for their E3 direct. That's their one of their big oh, fall sure, titles yeah. alongside Luigi's Mansion 3, which we also didn't see in this direct. And, can I, hey, can I tag in on that real yeah, quick? No, yeah, please. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Schneidley. Listen, the fact that Animal Crossing wasn't just shoehorned into a direct where there were so many other things going on makes me happy. I'm glad because it, it wouldn't have gotten the stuff it needed. Right. It, it doesn't get enough attention. It's not standalone. And I think Nintendo has severely missed on that over the years. They they treat the game as if it's not going to do well. Newsflash, it does do well, and it requires a lot more gravitas than it usually gets. New Leaf specifically, I think, really turned that around for Nintendo, where Animal Crossing was kind of a a niche game for a little bit until New Leaf came out, and then it became a system seller. Right. Right. And I do think this is going to be a system seller for the Nintendo Switch as well. A lot of people that only play Animal Crossing and only have a 3DS for New Leaf are waiting for this version of the game to come out before they actually pick up a switch. And I mean, it's crazy that someone would, would do that, but you know, in in a world where we have super smash brothers ultimate on the switch and breath of the wild and odyssey, Mario odyssey, these fantastic games that exist on the switch, but I can see why fans of only animal crossing would wait. And I do think it's going to move a lot of systems when it comes out. I I am still under the belief. This is a September title just because I think October belongs to Luigi's mansion three November belongs to Pokemon. I mean, I, I, Animal Crossing makes the most sense for September to me. I, and I do believe that um, the original game came out in September as well, back on the GameCube. It, it may have came out a little bit earlier, but I, I, I want to say it was September. This direct for me was like a good filler. Like when you think about, oh, I want the main course. Well, these appetizers that just came out, they look pretty tasty. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and one thing that I think is going to fill that gap perfectly for summer because it just lends itself so well to the type of gameplay Super Mario Maker 2 launching in June. Nice. Are you? Yeah, that looks good. Are either of you a fan of the original Super Mario Maker? Oh, I mean, like we talked about, I'm a big fan of the Mario games anyways. And one of my favorite things to do on YouTube is go up and look up the a-hole Mario clips where people, mm-hmm. you know, before Mario Maker ever came out, people would mod Mario and, and make those absolutely ridiculous levels. Right. And then Nintendo apparently also really liked that, too, and made it available <laughs> for literally everybody, though. I was I was shocked with I knew I, I everybody knew that Super Mario Maker was coming to the switch. I'm shocked a little bit that it's Super Mario Maker 2 because I was, you know, I mean, how much more 
Mario can you make, you know, to, to some extent. But they did actually end up introducing a lot of things and the, right off the bat in the, the slopes, trailer, dude. Slopes, the slopes, slopes, that's the first thing they show. <laughs> they show all those steps with the with the monsters, you know, the, the enemies on them. And then the guy goes in, edits it, and it's a slope. And yeah, we like, knew oh. we knew right then and there that it was something yep. different. And Absolutely. obviously we have a little bit of the aspects of like Super Mario 3D World in there because you can actually be like Cat Mario. The, yeah, the so, cat. And, yep. Um, and I, I'm, I'm clearly wondering if they're holding stuff back because Cat Mario was in 3D World, which had somewhat 3D elements to it because you could climb up things and, and do things. So I wonder if maybe we're going to see a little bit more in Super Mario Maker 2 than what we realize right now. I wonder if there's more there. I'm sure there is. There, there will be. And they'll continue to support it. Again, this is going to be a game sells like absolute hotcakes people are going to get their hands on this and love it and so you'll see dlc packs and the additions and updates as it goes on and there will be so much to do that you'll get you'll get lost in it for hours making levels and then never playing anybody else's because you're making <laughs> levels the entire time because you know the one big thing that everyone wanted in mario maker 2 was the ability to make mario 64 type levels and i do think we'll get there eventually maybe not in mario maker 2 e yeah, we're not we're I'm not smart enough to handle three dimensions. I think we'll get there eventually. And that that is something I'm definitely looking forward to doing. Uh, I hope you pick this game up because I want to I want to see you stream this on the channel. I think this would make a great game to just sit down and play. Absolutely. No, I'm I'm definitely going to get it. and You'll see it on stream. This is a game that that lends well to audience interaction yeah. and everybody watching me fail over. And over. if you haven't got enough of that with Apex Live. <laughs> you'll get a you'll get a, a healthy <laughs> dose of me failing on super mario maker you gotta have the viewers make levels for you and then you try to struggle through those that's exactly how you do it see that opens up the possibility of people like writing messages in the to me though with blocks perfect and <laughs> i've watched i've watched too many streams of of people putting the worst words <laughs> in the streams in any way possible as soon as you said that the first thing that came to my mind is someone's going to put a, an appropriate inappropriate dong or something in there and, <laughs> oh i mean we're an all ages channel and they're going to be like daddy what's that and that's, that's all that's all it is dude it's just that in the middle of the screen and mario's sitting there and you can't get out and he's that's stuck it in it that's yeah all it is yeah, it's not even good math. Eight does not equal D. I don't understand how that even works. Well, it equals 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 D is how it works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really equals if, D. If it just equals D, then something's wrong, dude. <laughs> it might just be cold. <laughs> Growers, not showers. Exactly. Um, I want to talk Link's Awakening because I think it's the thing I'm most excited for. That looks so good. Best, best part of the direct, one hundred percent. And and they always do this. Yeah, there's uh, always there's always one, there's always one more thing. I was surprised that there were actually two more things in this direct because before that we had Astral Chain, which again I think that looks really dope. But Link's Awakening, I wasn't expecting. I was expecting this, and we've actually Frank and I talked about this a lot. Like, what Zelda game are we gonna get in twenty nineteen? Because we knew we weren't getting the sequel to Breath of the Wild. We knew we weren't getting the next mainline game, but we knew that we were either going to get Skyward Sword HD or a remake to Link's Awakening, because it's the two things that have been rumored the most. I still I do still think Skyward Sword HD is coming as well, but not this year, obviously. This, though, something I want to. Yes, yeah, go, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I was I, just going to say I wasn't expecting it to look like this. And this is adorable. Yes, <laughs> exactly what I was about to say. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step all over no, you there. Please do. Nintendo has this magic with Zelda games where 
the universes and the different timelines that they use all have different animation styles, both in-game and cutscene, right? And I was so happy to see old school animated Link come back and actually be featured. It's such a good, refreshing way to see different parts of Zelda because usually game companies will just take the new updated models and they'll just keep on making it better and better and better. And Nintendo finds a way to reinvent what they've already done. And this is this goes back to my childhood. Like this is a link to the past link. It looks just like it did in the instruction manual. Yes, I was the kid that looked at the instruction manual. Who was it? And it was dope. It was <laughs> you had awesome. to back then. Yeah. Had to. It's so good to see this. And then the uh the in-game style. The in-game style is gorgeous. It looks like what I wanted. Um you know, all of the 3DS titles that came out that looked like this to look like it looks good. And it looks it looks the perfect mix between update and nostalgia. They did a really good job with it. Yeah, I was so impressed with the graphical fidelity of it and just like how exactly it, the animation looked. And like I mentioned in the reaction video, which you have, you haven't watched that on our YouTube channel, go do that because I did a re- an entire reaction video to this Nintendo Direct. But it's the perfect blend of Link to the Past meets a Link Between Worlds with just the the new type of things that we can do now on the Switch. And I'm so glad this isn't a 3DS title. I will say that. I'm yes. so glad this is oh, not a 3DS I'm, title. Absolutely. Because I was scared it, it looks, was going to be. <laughs> it looks so good. And the first thing I thought of was when Wind Waker was announced. Yes. And everybody was so mad with how Wind Waker because it looked so different from the previous titles from Ocarina and Majora's Mask. Have you noticed people are actually upset with how this looks? There's been a lot of people saying this isn't what they wanted. It's very much the Wind Waker syndrome all over again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with Sean, though. I think that the the different styles of art that they're able to employ in the Zelda universe it, it's what it's what makes me excited because you never know you can get a cell shaded graphic game a la Wind Waker or an ultra realistic gritty style like Twilight Princess was or then a mix between the two like Skyward Sword was and then you get something entirely different like Breath of the Wild was and then you get Chibi Link mm-hmm. in this right. in this little playtown universe that is you know Link's Awakening Redux and it looks perfect it does everybody that's complaining about this needs to get out of my life it's <laughs> everything that i've ever wanted which hey let me talk about that for just a sec too the graphics in this game the original Link's awakening were very disappointing because you go from super nintendo these rich colors i mean they didn't have a lot to work with and they did so much with it the rich colors the the great like contrast and and everything and you go to Link's Awakening and it's just this black and green mess on a Game Boy and it was hard to get into for people who were expecting you know a a uh, I guess a sequel you know to that game on Super Nintendo that they loved to see Link's Awakening in this light I think this is the way it was supposed to be all along it, it's not like they're looking to reinvent something here they're just trying to give it to us the way they initially intended the biggest mistake for Link's Awakening was that it was released on the Game Boy because if it was on Super Nintendo, people would love this game. And it, it made me really people sad that do people love didn't this jump game. on. People, oh, people do love this game. Yeah. They this do, game. but not enough. Not enough. There, there would okay. be more Agreed. people who love this game if it was on not Super Nintendo. Not enough N- people played it. 
not enough people played it. Correct. Yeah. Well, now's its chance to shine. It agreed. And I, and I think it will shine well. Uh, so happy to see that it's 2019. We don't have to wait long, which kind of does make me think that the next mainline Zelda game is next year. Whatever that's going to be, because, again, Nintendo, if they don't if they don't right. skip next year, but they don't usually skip a year for Zelda. There's always something, whether it's a mainline remake, weird spinoff title. There's always usually something every year in relation to Zelda or who knows, we might get a new Mario game next year as well. Not every game looks great on the switch. Just look at Dead by Daylight running on the switch. That game looks like garbage. <laughs> Hot garbage. <laughs> Let me tell you. That game. I, we played that game on a stream. Lot, a and, lot. And it, it was the main game we played. It, it was fun. Main, yeah, yes. And we had fun and it looks good on PC. It, looks it holds great. up it, well. It looks great on PC and it runs well on PC. The Switch version looks a lot like they just pieced it together and it the graphics don't look good. No, the graphics look like GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. And I think the scary part about it is they didn't represent it for what it's supposed to be. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but there was hardly any like hack and slash or killer focus besides the killer just walking around. And that's not what Dead by Daylight is. And Frank brought up a good point and he's not here and I'll mention it for him. They didn't show any of the licensed killers. Yeah, it was all it was all too. it was all the original killers that that the actual behavior, uh, you know, developed for the game. So Frank was wondering that maybe if they couldn't maybe talk Nintendo into featuring, you know, like freddy or leatherface Leatherface yeah you know because it's definitely not a nintendo-esque game it's something that i would never have thought to that i would see on a nintendo platform just because of how violent it actually is on on pc so i have to wonder if the game is being toned down a bit to release on the switch and not and not just graphically that all changed with the wii u when bayonetta became a nintendo true uh, exclusive so i think anything's very if if bayonetta's on nintendo Anything can be on Nintendo. Are you a Bayonetta fan? Well, I'm glad to hear you talk. Oh about that. my Thank gosh, God. am I a Bayonetta Thank fan? God, Jeez, dude. Bayonetta, Bayonetta 3, I can't wait for that. And yes, we have Astral Chain to hold us over from Platinum Games, which does, like I said, it looks really dope coming out on August 30th. I'm always intrigued by more Japanese focused anime games. I love it. But Bayonetta 3, dude, I want to see more on that. I made the mistake of playing Bayonetta 2 in front of my mother-in-law one time. (laughs) And and her her hair whips off of her body and turns into a glorious demon butterfly. And she's like, I'm not, I think I'm just going to go in the other room. Like, I I think you should. (laughs) Yeah, dude, so, so, so excited for both those games, Astral Chain and Bayonetta 3. Um, I'm just kind of looking through our list here that I put up again, the 15 things we already talked a lot about some, most of these things, so I can skip around. Uh, we, we briefly mentioned fire emblem. There really, there isn't a lot to really mention on that besides what Kyle already talked about other than I'm picking the game up. I'm definitely going to play through it. I think it looks gorgeous. So I also will be playing fire emblem in the order of the Phoenix. I wanted to give you an extra, I wanted to give you more time to get the rest of the Harry Potter, like actual subtitles in there as well. So. I've only got one left. I, I think you, I've done you six only, now. You only so. have one left, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think this is going to be really fun. I, I wasn't really intrigued by what they showed. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I, I wanted to see more of what the action in the game looks like. There was a lot of like dialogue and menuing and stuff going on, which is great. But I want to see what the actual game experience is when you're actually playing the core of the game. You know, and and I'm probably going to get it because I've been dying to play Fire Emblem. It's so hot in Japan. And I I think that 
we don't really get to appreciate it here in the Americas because the gameplay isn't exactly what you know we like. So I'm I'm excited to see what they do, you know, this time around. And and it's always been stuck on their handhelds, except for like one or two times. I think there was there was one release on the GameCube, and there may have been one on the Wii, if I'm remembering correctly. But yes, it's always been a a mobile slash well not mobile but mobile is where you can take it with you it's always been handheld and yes i know the switch is a hybrid but the switch also plugs into the tv which is only how i play it and i think this one will do well because you can either take it with you if if that's the crowd that you want or again it's going back to the gamecube version which is my favorite fire emblem of all time path of radiance i, I really enjoy that one so yeah, I'm and i'm excited to, to see fire emblem the half-blood prince drop oh, on he, july 26th oh, he took it from you yeah no, I, well, I said no, no, I you, used yeah, you, did, you did that. You did that. that I, I think. Well, I haven't used Deathly Hollows yet. Yeah, that's and it. and I haven't used Cursed Child yet. But I mean, you know, that's a, that's a musical. Up for debate. Or, I mean, we could you could just go even a step further and go with the uh, the one that's out now. Like that's not even Harry Potter. The Wizarding World. Yeah, do that or um, yeah. Oh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts of Fire Beast Emblem. Emblem. Yeah, Fantastic yeah. Beasts of Fire Emblem. Exactly. Yeah, the crime. The crimes of Fire Emblem. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Which, by the way, Wizards Unite, I'm I'm kind of shadow excited for that. Like I'm I'm trying to mask it, um, but I am I'm I'm excited for the idea of having a game like that. So let's rapid fire a few things here that I think that I want to mention. The uh, Smash Ultimate version 3.0 is coming this spring, and they did announce that Joker from Persona 5 will arrive into Smash Ultimate by the end of April. I'm looking forward to that. I already have the uh, the DLC fighter pass, and dude, I'm just waiting for Joker. Like I, I will jump back into Smash with this update, but I am waiting for Joker. I'm just seriously, I, I'm a huge Persona fan, so just waiting for that. Um, Yoshi's Crafted World demo was released on the Nintendo Switch eShop. I have played it. I put up a Let's Play video of this past Friday. I think it's fantastic. It definitely excited my, it, it rose my excitement level for Yoshi's Crafted World next month even more. Did either of you have a chance to play that? No, no, but I watched you and Top Notch. Do it. Play the yeah. play the demo because it's great. Uh, Kyle already briefly mentioned this, but we did see Dragon Quest XI S Definitive Edition uh, coming out to the Nintendo Switch this fall. What's really exciting about this to me and the reason why I'm going to buy the game again, even though I own it on the PlayStation 4 but haven't finished it, is because it is including that retro 8-bit style that was released over in Japan exclusively on the Nintendo 3DS. So I want to I will finish it on the PS4, but then I'm buying it on the Switch because just to play that retro style. Uh, I think that looks so good. And plus they're adding new stories and stuff as well. So that's always exciting to me. Sean, something I know you were excited for Final Fantasy nine got shadow dropped on the Nintendo Switch and we found out that Final Fantasy seven would be launching on March 26th. Yeah, I'm buying both probably. I know you and, and that's that's deep. That's big time because I usually don't buy a whole lot of games at once. And I try to really kind of limit my spending on some of those things because I get a little out of control, you know, and um, those games, man, I never got to play nine. And I've always heard my friends who are fans of the Final Fantasy series talk about how great nine is and the fact that it doesn't get a whole lot of credit when it's compared to the likes of seven, eight or 10. And it, it, it's a good game. And I'm excited to see what happens. I think that the old school um, 64 bit games look really good on small screens. And so I'm excited to see what switch handheld mode brings for this, because I think the games can translate pretty well. Mm hmm. Um, the games look really good on the phone because the pixels are small. Um, you know, I have Final Fantasy seven on the phone. It looks great, but I think I want these games on the switch. I want to be able to play them on the go and I want to be able to kind of immerse myself into them and not be playing on a pocket. And, uh, I'm excited about it, dude. It, it looks really good. And it the, nine is out right now and it's only like what 
uh, twenty bucks or I something think, like that. I think so. They always it's use like twenty ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. That's a great deal yep. to to play it on your big screen. That's awesome. Like kudos, kudos. I mean, it's like a twenty something year old game. It's it's an okay deal. <laughs> well, okay. Here's here's where I come from on that. Could I get it for free? Yes, I could probably mod the PlayStation Classic or do an emulator or, you know, whatever Raspberry Box or Strawberry Hootskadusker. My thing is, is I don't do those things. And so for someone like me who doesn't have those resources to to get that onto a big screen, you'd have to buy the OG. You'd have to buy or, you know, get your old PS1 out or your PS2 out. I don't have those things anymore. So for 20 bucks, that's a good deal to get it on the go in between two different systems because i feel like the switch is two different systems that's great it's fantastic if they released a final fantasy compilation of like all the games i'd, buy I'd be heavily tempted to buy it I, I would i definitely would even though i own them in so many different mediums just to have them on one thing even if it was just one through nine because I, I don't think 10 12 13 15 would really fit on anything because those games are a lot bigger but one through nine could probably fit they would charge 150 dollars for that guaranteed i'm sure they would guaranteed i'm sure they would well you look at steam right now you go on steam you can get a lot of them but to to be honest i don't think these games are pc games i can't sit down in front of my pc and do it and i have a big monitor so i don't think it's going to hold up well i'm with you on that right 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 um Let's move on. We saw Onanaki that was also announced by Square Enix. It's the latest RPG from Tokyo RPG Factory. The studio behind I Am Satsuna and Lost Fear looks really interesting and intriguing. So I'll definitely be checking that out. Uh, Jessica cried for Rune Factory 4 Special and Rune Factory 5, which were both revealed by Exceed Games and Marvelous. Uh, I do think this was perhaps the biggest surprise of the event because statements were made several years ago that the franchise was more or less dead after um, the original team dissolved. Be You know, they... Something happened to them. They went bankrupt and were kind of like folded into Marvelous and Exceed. And, and at least they're actually uh, finishing that. So uh, I, I am actually excited to see that for her because she was really excited. I mean, these are spinoff titles from Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons. So they are very similar to to that type of gameplay. Um, but yeah, no, she, I, I actually, I, I looked over cause I thought maybe she was going to come in cause she, she heard me freaking out about it and, and mentioning her name during the reaction video. So I thought maybe she would come in and see what I was actually talking about, but she didn't. So I went out there as soon as it was over and had to show her this and yeah, dude, just like, it was actually kind of, kind of funny watching just the tears start rolling down her face because she was legit crying and, and excited, uh, you know, tears of excitement. So, um, bloodstained ritual of the night, the release window was confirmed for summer. I do think that game looks incredible. I hope that you guys will check this out because it's it, it literally is Koji Garashi. It's it's a spiritual successor to uh, Castlevania. Um, I'm excited for this one. It yep. looks good. It does. Yep. Metroidvania games. Yeah. Totally and, 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 and the one that just released early in 2018, uh, Curse of the Moon, the one that is like the, the retro style of Bloodstained was phenomenal. Just like a quick yeah, five, so six tight. hour game. But it was it was very, very, very good. Um, What did I skip over? Oh. Star Fox mission is being added. Yeah, we'll get to that. But before we do, because we have two more things left after this, the Star Fox missions being added to Starlink Battle for Atlas this April. The interesting thing I want to point out here, so it's on the record. This update includes Starship races with the Star Fox characters. So part of me is wondering if there was some big mix up or misunderstanding and that maybe this is what that person that said, oh, there's a Star Fox racing game called Star Fox Grand Prix coming. Is this maybe what they saw or what they heard about? 
racing in this Starlink? This is really smart. Yes, the answer is yes. I think, I mean, I think there's it's yes no as well. possible way that Nintendo lets them use Star Fox characters for races if they had their own game a Star Fox racing game. That yeah. doesn't that's not I mean that's not going to happen. So yes, this is there was there was a leak, somebody got some information that Star Fox characters were doing races for each other. Ooh, there's a Star Fox racing game coming out, you know. They they expand upon they they make their best guess of what the leak is. They got it a little wrong, but mostly right. Right. Which then begs the question, what the hell has Retro been doing, dude? Because they haven't released anything since Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on the Wii U, except for the port on the Switch. And they just took over Metroid Prime 4. So what have they been doing say, for the yeah, past they just like, got five, six years? <laughs> I have no idea. Oof, uh, I, have yeah. no, I have no idea what that team has been doing. And maybe it's been so secretive and kept under wraps that we will see it at E3 and it, it still releases fall because that's kind of something I speculated on if Star Fox Grand Prix was real. Maybe it'll have a big blowout at E3 and then we'd see it release in the fall. That's because they're really now starting to transition to take over Metroid Prime 4. If we don't see anything from them at E3 besides Metroid, and I don't even think we see Metroid at E3. I don't think we see Metroid for another year or two now that they just really started that from scratch. But and that's not even when it releases in a year or two. I'm saying we won't see that officially in trailer right. form anymore for another year or two. That if they don't show anything at E3 that Retro is doing, then that, that team has literally just been sitting there doing nothing, which is a big waste of time for a talented studio. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were helping with some assets and, and things for Starlink because the reception yeah. on that game wasn't very good and the potential for it is really high. I, I really feel like this could have been something a lot bigger than it has been. To see a game like that go on sale on Amazon mm -hmm. like months after it was released, I mean, that was a little disheartening because I wanted to check it out. I actually entertained the idea of picking it up when it was discounted. And then against my judgment, I was like, you know what? Usually when games go on discount like that real fast, it's not a good sign. Mm -hmm. You know, I have it. Jessica bought it for me for Christmas and I haven't opened it. I need to. And that's indicative of what it could be right now anyways. It's like, wow, I haven't jumped into this yet. So I agree. I agree that maybe they could be lending some help to Ubisoft in getting this. I have to wonder, since you said that, was Star Fox Grand Prix an actual game that they now are folding into Starlink because they're taking over Metroid Prime 4? Was it just maybe not finished yet and they were working on it? And now they're putting at least the core of that into Starlink to still have that experience. Maybe. Well, you, you know, Star Fox fanboys are going to pick up new peripherals when this mode comes out. Absolutely. They're going to they're going to entertain getting the game. And it's a good play, much like, you know, when they when they combine different franchises together. You got to have the loyalists there, you know, and I think it'll work a little bit. I don't think it's going to pop. Right. I don't even think the game sold well on PS4 or Xbox One. I think that Ubisoft really just should have made this a Nintendo exclusive and literally just been Star Fox. I think it would have sold better at that point. I think so, too. Yeah, because, I do. And because, it makes me sad. Yeah, because, you know, you have Star Fox, such a such a prestigious IP for Nintendo. I mean, it, it's had a lot of great games released in, in the past. And it, Starlink is so similar that had they just and, and Ubisoft has such a great relationship with Nintendo doing Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle and other things. But still. Had they just utilized that Star Fox IP in the title and not just, you know, as like a secondary afterthought for exclusive to the Switch, then I then I do think the title would have done better and sold more. Um, I want to move on now because there's two other things that I want to talk about. And the first one, I'm going to save the big one for last, and it's the one I've had the most fun with. But Sean, I want to briefly get our thoughts on Damon X Machina, the demo that was released. Now, we briefly talked about this <laughs> before we started recording. And 
the game, the, it's not even a game because it's just a demo, but it is so rough that I, that I can't imagine this even transitioning well to a full game. So I think the gameplay on the game is a little stale. It's, it's, let's, let's put this nicely because I, I do think that the game could be good, but the demo is not. You can only do so much in a mech warrior type situation before it gets stale. It doesn't matter what the missions are. You're in your mech, you go out, you explore an area, you kill the enemies, you go back to base. And that's exactly what the demo is. There, there is some shining spots in the demo as far as character, character customization. You can, you know, style your mech, you can equip different things. But I didn't notice that big of a change when I actually modified my mech in gameplay. Um, a la, you know, I didn't at all. Auto aim, <laughs> auto aim, homing missiles, things like that. It just felt kind of easy. And maybe they dumbed it down for the demo. Maybe they're going for a younger audience. But as a 32 year old man who grew up playing Mech Warrior, I kind of just was like, man, eh, this is a little easy. This is a little yeah, small time. It's nothing special. And the reason behind the demo, the team mentioned, is that they want to get feedback on the game. So I'm hoping because they're going to contact several people, you know, they, they mentioned they would be contacting people that play the demo. Not everybody, but they're going to try to contact as many people as possible to fill out a survey based off of what they experienced with the demo. And I do hope that they contact enough people that just let them know that the game is rough and that it needs work, because I think there this game could be salvaged and made into something that is at least worth playing. But the game needs delayed out of 2019 to do that. I don't think they can do it in a couple months. So this game needs to get kicked to next year at least. And and they the team definitely needs to fix a lot of things and add stuff to it because not the the, the mission was easy like you said, but the graphics just didn't, didn't they didn't do anything for me. It was very simplistic. Uh the controls were simplistic. The animation was kind of janky a little bit. Like I noticed the camera was constantly getting stuck on obstacles or just other characters that were populated into the hangar that you was like the only area that you saw besides the one like setting for the mission that you kept doing with just slightly different stuff to added to it. Um, I wasn't impressed, man. I was not impressed by this and I wanted to be impressed because I wasn't impressed by the game at the trailer that we saw D3. And this did not change my mind. It actually made it worse. I'm so happy to hear that actually, because I felt like I was the only person on the planet. I was like, this game looks like garbage. <laughs> it, 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 right, you know, right honestly, now it is right now it is. I think the biggest problem is that it's on the switch. I really do. I think the graphical limitations of the game, the game would be better served on an Xbox or a PS4 because the saving grace would be the immersion and you're not immersed when you play this game. You feel like you're watching a cartoon, which is fine, but they try to make it feel realistic in the game and it's not. It's missing the mark because it's just not holding up to what you would expect to see in a mech game. But then you look at you look at something like Xenoblade, which Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U had a lot to do with mechs. And I think Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U looks better than Damon X Machina in terms of graphics. I, I honestly don't doubt it. I, I think um, was Xenoblade like a true 3D, like you were first personing it or third personing it? It was it was third person. But yes, it was fully 3D. Maybe that just speaks to the strength of the studio. Monolith is great. I mean, Monolith has always been great. That's the that's the original Xeno team. We got Xeno Gear, Xeno Saga, and now Xeno Blade. Monolith is fantastic. So, yeah, they've always been good at what they do. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what team this is. I think it might be some new studio that Nintendo threw together to to, to make this game. But I'm not impressed, and and I want to be impressed, and I I want to see this game do well because I always want to see Nintendo do well. 
I, I hope that they get some positive feedback that shapes the game forward and they kick it out of 2019. Delay it as long as you need to, but just make this game good. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, Kyle, the big thing I want to talk about here is Tetris 99. Because I know you've been putting some time into oh, it. And I've been putting some time into it. You know, I wasn't a Battle Royale player up last week, and now that's all I play is Battle Royales. I am not a Battle Royale fan still, but my God, Tetris <laughs> sucked me in. Tetris <laughs> sucked me in, dude. And I've I've been doing nothing but Tetris 99. Yeah, I was like, I, I'm just going to play a game of Tetris, said nobody ever. I, I got in and, you know, 10 games later, I'm just yelling. I'm like, you dick, like, why would you target me? You know, it, I mean, it plays exactly like you would expect Tetris to play, except it's fast paced and competitive and looks, I mean, amazing. Love that you could see the other 98 players off to the so sides. So cool. And it's legit real time. So you're seeing what they're doing. Now, yes, it's kind of hard to see because it is small, but still, it's so freaking cool. And yes, the how this how they made Tetris competitive is so good. It's my favorite thing ever. But there's more coming to this game. There's more. Coming. I know. Yeah, it looked like they they. Some data miners found some things that they were doing a, a competitive yeah, mode, competitive and a, mode, and a, and a cooperative mode, yeah. and yeah, like a like a just something where it's like an endless mode. But I and before the data mines even came out, I saw that like because if you go into the statistics, there's two tabs. There's all, and there's Tetris ninety nine, and they're the identical. They have the same stats, which right. means that all is going to obviously incorporate other modes as well in the future. Exactly. So yeah. this definitely, I don't want to say it was a rush job. Because it wasn't, but they definitely put it out early just to capitalize on the Battle Royale market in case it does. Absolutely. In case it slows down at all. But this is the Battle Royale game that I want to because it's something that I can be good at. It's not a shooter. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me wonder what other franchises or other genres would transition well into like a yeah. battle royale market like animal crossing battle royale let's get right? an animal crossing battle royale or, or the one that immediately came to my mind was like a, a demolition derby style battle royale game i've been saying that for so long brian that we need a twisted metal battle royale agreed agreed something like that would i think seeing this now i think it would do so well or the mad max game that came out a few yes, years ago that which style of car was combat phenomenal that game was yeah. so very much yeah. a sleeper hit that year i think that was was that 2015? I think it was, but that game was or, yeah, yeah, 15 or such 16, a sleeper hit. Was very well done. Um, what's the highest you've gotten, Sean? I know you didn't have a chance to play Tetris 99 yet, so um, yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're gonna be <laughs> left placed, out of this a little bit. I played it for about two hours, and I think I placed fifth. Oh, you beat me! I played it for about two and a half, three hours now. My highest is seventh. <laughs> all right. So I, I told you, you have to hand over the 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 keys of level down games to me. Yeah, now. I've, proven, yeah. I've proven my superiority and I'm the king. No, it's, it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Now that, that fifth that I got again, it is, it is kind of, you got to get lucky. You got to get people you that really don't do target you. So there is, there is an, an amount of luck involved in it, but even the way that they've structured the badges yes, and the way that you are able to send bars to other people and delete bars from your own it it feels genuinely like you're farming for loot in the early game trying to get as much power ups as you can yeah so that in the late game you're as powerful as you can be and you can actually compete with the people who've been doing really well what i've noticed from watching a couple streamers play the game and i actually stayed up last night till 3am my time 
watching Kyle Bossman from Easy Allies play the game because he's really good at Tetris. Um, I've noticed that holding off on knocking people out and doing really well in the start helps you out in the long game because those that target people that get badges, if you accumulate badges too quick, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So you, so you yeah. want to accumulate them for the stats and to level yourself up. But at the same time, you kind of want to hold off and accumulate them after there's like 50 people left. And and that's when you really can start doing well, because if you get them too quick in the early game, then everyone just starts targeting you and it's very hard to overcome. So I like that there's these deep strategies involved as well. And the fact that they released it right after the direct, nobody was going to wait around waiting for, to play Tetris Battle Royale. But it was like, here's Tetris Battle Royale available now. People were so hyped about that. Perfectly planned, perfectly executed. I'll be going back to it. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. So I want to move on now because we have quite a few things still to get through. I want to quickly do the release dates and adjustments. Pode launching on February 19th for the PlayStation 4. We found out that Rad Rogers Radical Edition will be launching on February 26th for PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4 and Xbox One. Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, something we actually found out in the Nintendo Direct that I didn't mention. Uh, Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, everybody launching on March 20th for Nintendo Switch, which I'm going to pick up. I think it looks cool. Uh, Unravel 2 launches on March 22nd for Nintendo Switch. Zonky Zero Last Beginning, which is coming to PC and PS4, has been delayed to April 9th. I think it was like a two and a half week delay. World War Z launches on April 16th for PC, PS4, Xbox One. Box Boy plus Box Girl, which looks really good. Also announced during that Nintendo Direct uh, launches on April 26th for Nintendo Switch. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, which looks like crap, launches on May 21st for Nintendo Switch. Dragon Quest Builders 2, which looks great, launches on July 12th for Nintendo's, uh, Nintendo Switch and PS4. Fire Emblem Three Houses, we already mentioned, launches on July 26th for Nintendo Switch. And Catherine Full Body, which is a enhanced edition of Catherine from the PS3, launches on September 3rd for PS4. And if you've never played Catherine, my God, that game is great. So keep an eye on that. Uh, let's quickly talk about the new releases for the week of February 18th, 2019. We have a couple games coming this week. Nothing on Monday, February 18th. We'll move on to Tuesday, February 19th. The game that I actually talked about earlier in the show. Is coming out tomorrow to PS4, Death End Request. Death End Request is a game that takes the classic turn-based RPG and turns it on its head. Players are able to change... Oh, I didn't even mention that, so that's... Yeah, I forgot, totally forgot about that, but I'll mention it here. Players are able to change the game's genre and switch game modes from RPG into fighting, shooting, and even a slot mode. You'll also be able to jump at will between the in-game world and the real world to investigate your missing friend, unlocking one of the multiple endings. Choose wisely, as lines between fantasy and reality will begin to blur. So real quick, what that means with being able to change the game mode is that when you're actually in these turn-based battles, um, the guy that's in the real world is able to hack into the game because he also is one of the developers alongside the, the girl that you're playing as. So he hacks into the game and say, well, maybe change it into a shooter for that actual battle. And you have the ability to fire projectiles at the enemies, which do like a thousand percent times the damage as like a normal attack. So you have to clear these bugs on the field, which is very much like a strategy game. So you run over these bugs or knock enemies back into the bugs and you have to get it under 50 percent bug level to have him be able to hack into the game and change the genre. So again, dude, it's mm. it's JRPG with turn-based mechanics that really, it does so many different things. That's why I find it so interesting and I'm actually enjoying it so much. Um, and, and and it's really, really cool. I'll probably talk about it more next week. And yes, I do realize I'm rapid-firing this stuff, but that's for a reason. 
Uh, the next game coming out tomorrow, <laughs> Tuesday, February 19th, is Steins Gate Elite to PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4. Steins Gate Elite follows a ragtag band of tech-savvy young students who discover the means of changing the past via email using a modified microwave. Their experiments in pushing the boundaries of time begin to spiral out of control as they become entangled in a conspiracy surrounding CERN, the organization behind the Large Hadron Collider, and John Titer, who claims to be from a dystopian future. These, uh, these are visual novels, but they have some of the most interesting stories, and I've never really jumped into them too much. Um, I, I want to. Do you guys remember John, the John Titer thing happening in life? I do remember. No. I do remember like bits and pieces, but not everything. Yeah, John Titer was like a dude that popped up on the internet one day, and he's like, "I'm from the future. Like these are all the things that are going to happen." Wasn't he like from? Was it? Oh, man, I. It was like two. Was it two or three hundred years? I'm trying to remember because there's been a couple people that said that, but he was the most credible one in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. I, I had no idea there was a game that featured John Titer. That's a name I haven't heard. Time. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of visual novels at all, but Steinsgate really has the most intriguing story, and it really is a lot of people's favorite visual novel because of that. Uh, there's like four or five games in the franchise. This is just the latest one, so. Uh, better than life is strange would i consider life is strange a visual novel no but it's okay. not it's not better than life is strange okay fair enough, fair L- enough. life is strange is more telltale choose your own adventure and i and i and i don't really consider okay. those visual novels even though i guess i could see why you would consider them visual novels because they really are just narrative stories just making choices and which is what a visual novel is <laughs> but i think they're just slightly yeah i don't know that's something I want to explore next time you're on the show, Kyle. I want to, I want to talk about that because I, I think that's an interesting concept. What to me doesn't make Life is Strange a visual novel, but visual novels actually are. I don't know. I will talk about Life is Strange all day. Love it. Have you been playing too? No, I'm waiting for all of them. I played I okay. played uh, the Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. Oh, so good. And now I'm, I'm waiting for all of the uh, episodes to but come out. But you played Before the Storm, the one with um, Chloe and Rachel? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Ma- just yeah. making sure. Uh, the last game coming tomorrow to PC, the port of Yakuza Kiwami, Sega's critically acclaimed entry that started a legend, become Kazuma Kiryu, an up-and-coming Yakuza who takes the fall for the murder of a crime boss only to emerge from prison 10 years later to a changed world. Remastered from the ground up, now in 4K and uncapped frame rates on PC. These games are great. If you have not played them on PS4 or the originals on PS2, check this game out. Nothing tomorrow, Wednesday, February 20th. We'll skip to Thursday, February 21st, coming to Nintendo Switch, Origami Shadow Edition. And I do have a review up for the standard edition of this, which released several years ago on leveldowngames.com if you want to get my initial thoughts on the game. Origami is a third-person stealth game that casts you as an undead assassin with the power to control the shadows, teleport to any shadow, become invisible, materialize weapons, or even summon a shadow dragon to infiltrate the enemy ranks and dispose of your targets. I'm not going to read the rest because that's basically all you need to know. Uh, they're, They're fun games. Or, or fun game. It's only been one game in the series, and I do think this is just an enhanced version of that. I might check it out in the future. I think this will be a cool game to have on the go, but I already played through it once, so I don't know if I'll play through it again. But again, check out the review level on games.com for the PS4 version. The last game coming out this week is on Friday, February 22nd, to PC, PS4, Xbox One, Anthem. On a world left unfinished by the gods, a shadowy faction threatens all of humankind. The only thing that stands between these villains and the ancient technology they covet are the freelancers. Join with up to three other players and assemble high-tech, handcrafted, uniquely powerful suits of armor. Explore vast ruins, battle deadly enemies, and claim otherworldly artifacts. With every mission, you and your javelin grow in power. Fight the dangers of an ever-changing world. Rise united to defeat evil. Triumph is won. Anthem invites you to experience a cooperative action RPG set in a new and mysterious world from Bioware and EA. Real quick, pick of the weeks. Um, Sean, what are you going to go with? 
Anthem, man. Agreed. I'm through also, and through, baby. I'm also going yeah. Anthem, and even though, Kyle, I know you're not excited for it, it's really the only thing that's... It's the biggest thing this week. It's the most important thing happening this week in gaming. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, unanimous pick of the week this week is Anthem. I am going to check it out. I know, Kyle, you said you weren't. I will check this out through uh, EA Origin, the, the trial, and I'll sign up for a month and play through it for 30 days because I don't think I'll stick around after 30 days so I don't want to spend the full price, but I'm willing to spend $10 to, to check out Anthem. So, I'll check it out for a month. So we're also going to be talking about Activision Blizzard and all of the layoff crap that happened over the past seven days, which we kind of knew was coming. I mean, they, they were kind of warning us and we, we kind of saw the, the writing on the wall when Bungie spun off from Activision and kind of went their own way and went independent. So let's talk about this. And I pulled an article from CNET and I briefly want to read this passage before we get our own individual thoughts, just to give a clearer picture of what potentially happened or what did happen over the past seven days. Again, this is from CNET. Activision Blizzard, the publisher of blockbuster games like Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, World of Warcraft, and Overwatch, just posted its best financial results in the company's history. Now, it's going to lay off hundreds of employees. According to Variety, Activision Blizzard cut 775 jobs, about 8% of the workforce. The news came following Activision Blizzard's 2018 financial results. Revenue reached $7.5 billion, up 6% from $7.02 billion a year earlier. Quote, while our financial results for 2018 were the best in our history, we didn't realize our full potential. To help us reach our full potential, we have made a number of important leadership changes. End quote. That's from Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick. The cuts will come from non-development teams and support staff, according to an internal letter from Blizzard President J. Allen Brack, Power of the Ponytail, that was seen mm -hmm. by Kotaku. Activision Blizzard didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. In a press release, Activision Blizzard indicated the cuts would, wouldn't affect the development of new games. The company says it will be adding development staff for its major franchises, such as Overwatch, Call of Duty, and Diablo. Uh, gotta make more Diablo Immortals. The increases for those franchises could be in the neighborhood of 20% this year. Kotaku reports the letter also promised to cut employees' job placement assistance, which sucks, health coverage, which also sucks, and profit-sharing bonuses as part of a comprehensive severance package. The layoffs follow major changes at the company, as I just mentioned, which recently spun out Bungie, the team behind Destiny. Now, before... I get your opinions, Sean, and what really what you have to say. Keep in mind that several studios, including Square Enix, Warner Brothers and Obsidian Entertainment, among others, have already been reaching out to those let go with job offers because really the team, especially those at Blizzard, they're highly regarded in the industry as some of the best. So why wouldn't you want to scoop up those getting released? I think that's cool that they're doing that. At first, I was very upset. And, and I think a lot of people are when something like this comes out because it is a naturally negative thing. But I think that it could be a positive. So Blizzard is very bloated. You know, they've, they've got their hands in so many different jars right now that it's, it's hard for them to release something quality, which is very un-Blizzard-esque. When you look at Blizzard in the past, they've really only focused on one, maybe two things at the same time, and they've killed it every time they put it out. And I think you and I agree on that. So now they've got so many different IPs going. They've got so many different things happening that a lot of the stuff that they put out is lackluster or not up to standard. Not saying it's not good, not up to standard, because Blizzard has set the bar very high over the years. And, and so this right here, the restructuring, although it's not something that we welcome in the industry, it might be that breath of fresh air or change that could right the ship. And I, and I think that it's smart to do so because a lot of people have been down on Blizzard over the years. You know, if you're not a fanboy of a specific game that they put out, 
you're not very thrilled with what's happening. And, and what I mean by that is if you don't like Hearthstone, it's a great game. I don't play it all the time. And I and I only played it briefly when it came out, but I will recognize it's a good game. Then you're probably not liking the direction that Blizzard's going because Diablo is going mobile for now. That's not very fun for me. Starcraft 2 is all but fizzled out. And then World of Warcraft, its greatest success has been a callback to things that we have already experienced as players. So new content, new things moving forward. The old formula that's been working for them for the last couple of years isn't going to help. And revenues in this industry come in bursts, right? You don't get year over year better financial results. This this 2008, you know, up 6% is not going to happen this year with Diablo Immortal. It's not. You know, and and things like that, they need to make some changes and that's okay. I think that's I think that's good. And the silver lining and the happy end of the story, I guess, is these great developing staff members, they're going to other companies and they're going to make other IPs great that probably weren't going to be that great. I think that's a great move, especially with, you know, Warner Brothers coming out with big time stuff lately. They're really stepping into the market. If they can capture some of that Blizzard magic, I'm okay with it. You know, it just it translates into good news for us gamers. As long as these guys are gamefully employed, and I know that opens up a lot of topics that we've talked about here on the past, um, such as unionization and uh, game developers' rights and stuff like that, which I think is fine. But I do like that the gaming companies are different. I like that the cultures are different. I like that the staff is different. It comes out with different products, and you know, we'll we'll hearken it back to something that you and I have talked about, right? If you write all the reviews for each game back to back to back to back, no matter what kind of game it is, they sound the same. And I don't want games to be the same because of standardized different things that they have to do to accommodate unions and different things like that. You basically make one workforce that works on pretty much every game. And that's something I don't want to see happen. And I know that's selfish and mean, but I do think that um, these these people who are very talented can be compensated appropriately and they need to choose what company they want to go work for. I think that that freedom is valuable and, and it does create a spirit of competition and uh, contrast that the industry does need. Because let's face it, not every studio can be a, a studio that just drops hits like Blizzard. There are studios that that drop games that aren't that good and we need them, honestly. Because if every game was the same, I don't think that we'd be nearly as invested in the ones that we do love. Every game, if every game was Damon X mocking, I wouldn't be a gamer anymore. Exactly. You know, it's just one of those things where there has to be contrast. There has to be things that are different. And um, I'm hoping that this leads to good things. I am scared. You know, I I do feel for people who walk away from that company because of the stability that they've probably appreciated but we know that in this industry nothing is ever certain so it it, it's it had to happen it did let's move on it could lead to good things we just have to have a good attitude what i don't know what what is your impression on it is that something that you feel or does that resonate with you or what i i like what you said and i i've been trying to look at this both ways 
I, I do think it's a great opportunity for these other companies to really strengthen their rosters and add these people that now, again, we, we do know a lot of these jobs that were cut weren't from the development staff, but more like marketing and PR and sales. But even still, like those people are good at their jobs. I mean, Blizzard is a very in, in Activision Blizzard, I guess, as, as a whole. Not necessarily the Activision side, though, but really the Blizzard side was really an esteemed company that that harbored a strong environment for cultivating this these talented people and, and making them better. And, and just really a lot of these people that, that got let go were with Blizzard for 12, 10, 12, 15 years. I saw true, true. They're taking that experience now and, and they could take it to someone like Warner Brothers, like you mentioned, or someone like Square Enix which is working with Crystal Dynamics to make an Avengers game. I mean, there's a lot of these other games now that can benefit from these people that were let go. And it's not it sucks for them because maybe they, you know, they liked their environment and they liked what they did. But at the same time, it now opens these other opportunities for them to, as you said, take their strengths elsewhere, make other games. Now, it won't be it's not going to be the Blizzard quality, but still in in the vein of something that Blizzard may have done in the past or could do in the future. So I like that. Like, I like that aspect on it. Right. It, these people are critical to the success and production of the game. If yes. they weren't, they wouldn't be there. So it will impact the game. Now, whether or not you have a guy who's actually in charge of making the the cell shades or something on a level, no, but I mean, they are critical to the game, so it, it will change what's happening for sure. The games may not, the the uh, franchises may still come out, but they're going to be different. I, I, I think maybe a my, little bit, but yeah, Kyle, you've done a lot of research on this, so yeah, that's my that's my biggest bummer of the whole thing is the writing's been on. The After BlizzCon last year, they they showed everything, and shortly after BlizzCon announced that development and updates and competition for heroes of the storm was ending entirely which was a big indicator of what was going to happen <laughs> exactly exactly the worst part about that was that the heroes team had no idea that was going to happen and a couple of the de developers kind of you know roundabout said yeah that was kind of a surprise to us we didn't know that this was coming it's it's important to realize that activision blizzard as a company named themselves that for pr it is not activision blizzard blizzard is a subsidiary of activision there's a reason it's not blizzard activision it's activision blizzard um and like i said writing's been on the wall for a while this the blizzard that we grew up with is gone they're they're not around anymore and we can't expect the same quality and content of games from them that we have in the past my biggest bummer about this entire thing totally selfish of course 800 people losing jobs not a cool thing at all um but when they talked about the games that they're going to be adding development staff to they mentioned so many games they mentioned overwatch heroes of the storm world of warcraft diablo call of duty and not StarCraft. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was, it was very intentionally left out of the list of games that they're adding development staff to. And I'm a big StarCraft fan. I was pretty upset about that. Has to make me wonder if there's no plans for like StarCraft 3 at any point in the future, or, or at least the foreseeable future. Well, when, when Brood War Remastered came out, they kind of announced plans that they had to increase the, the, the ranked setting and the ladders 
and the ability to play Brood War remastered in kind of the new competitive environment of esports. And none of that happened. They released StarCraft Remastered and nothing has happened in it since its release. And probably because there really wasn't a huge demand for it. But I bought it, I played it, and I've stopped playing it because the ladders and the matchmaking simply don't work appropriately. So, Which, you know, this is nothing new. You know, Blizzard does this. They'll shelve an IP for years, and it's normal Blizzard. But I think the problem is, is they're losing ways to reinvent the same IPs. And rather than, you know, step out of their comfort zone and, and maybe make something new and changes, they have tried to stick with formulas that have been imposed on them either internally or from their parent company. And maybe that's just not jiving with us Blizzard, you know, fanatics anymore. But as a whole, the company still is doing well with what they're they're putting out. It's just maybe we're used to seeing innovation and it seems a little stale at this point. But that doesn't mean that this can't turn around. You know, and maybe it's time for Blizzard to reinvent. And in order to reinvent, you kind of have to make some hard changes in life. You can't get comfortable and complacent, especially in, in a business where demand really dictates your success. And if you can't generate that demand with what you've been doing, which Blizzard has put a lot of capital behind StarCraft, and it didn't do as well as they wanted it to when they released StarCraft 2 and all the expansion, you know, all the expansion content and the esports scene never really did pick up on StarCraft 2 as hard as they wanted it to. It just really. It's a dying culture and breed to play that kind of RTS competitively when you're going up against MOBAs or, you know, BRs or things like that, that actually, you know. I don't want to say lend themselves better to the skills of the players of the day, but it is very difficult to be an RTS player that can manage 200 plus units and buildings at one time. And it's, it really just isn't taking off. I think I think that's been one of the main issues with this is is the style of games that Blizzard historically makes are not the popular style of games anymore. Hack and slash RTS, MMORPGs. Those aren't popular genres wholly anymore. And and yes, they did have a record year of revenue with 7.5 billion. But the previous year was 7.02 billion and half a billion dollars is a lot of billion dollars. But when they released Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and a new World of Warcraft expansion in the same year, maybe they were looking for a little bit more growth than that. So you know that yes it was a record growth but it wasn't record by enough and i think that speaks to really just the downfall of world of warcraft i mean it, it's something that true i mean I, i'm still a big fan I, my subscription hasn't lapsed yet even though i rarely play it i still pay 15 dollars a month for that game in case i ever get the itch to jump into it like i i won't cancel that and that, that is just an expense that i work into my budget i know i'm gonna pay 15 dollars a month to blizzard even if i don't log in for the entire 30 days i'm still gonna pay that 15 dollars so I, I my, my subscription has been active since like 2005. It's never lapsed, but the game is is in a rough state right now. It is. Oh, sure. It absolutely is. And that, that's why I'm not jumping in, because for being one of my favorite games of all time, and it really is like number two for me, I don't feel the desire to jump in like nothing captivates me about Warcraft right now. And it sucks because I want to be captivated. I will see you in classic. Absolutely. This summer. 
Absolutely. And that's really like that. That's going to be worth the subscription fee again for $15, because I will pay that to to re-experience and, and re-experience things that I missed out on the first like year and a half of not playing Warcraft in its initial, you know, first year, because I jumped in right at the tail end of vanilla right before Burning Crusade came out. But that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. It will. I can't wait either. And I I'll think be that there. I think that will maybe spark interest in the franchise again to to make the main game good again, great again. I don't know. What's the use a relevant term? Make Warcraft great again. Make Warcraft, make <laughs> Azeroth great again. I mean, <laughs> perfect, perfect. You know, something to touch on real fast about WoW that I think has been the downfall is the game was a lot funner when there was conflict between the factions and the races within, but no one really looked like the bad guy. You could always sympathize with each race. <laughs> each player could have their justification in the world and they could go and experience it together. And all of the major conflicts of the game usually strayed away from that, even though it was very evident that that's where it was heading. Now we see a lot of the game where people who have identified with their characters for so long and they're turning into something that maybe they didn't want it to. And I think that's funny because we knew that was going to happen. But the horde, the horde is evil now. The the horde is so upset about this in the game. And I think it's hilarious. But um, had it coming. you know, honest <laughs> to goodness, I play Alliance. <laughs> the game. I, I, I don't know. The game has changed is what I'm getting at. The game has changed. And they've changed in a direction that actually spites the people who are still fans of the game. Like lore wise, they've, they've spited the fans and they need to write that ship, too. I, I mean, really, are, you, someone's got to lose. It. They're working on so, it, but it's right. not. I mean, it, it's not helping what they already did with Sylvanas, I think. Just was the, oh, cl- horrible. clearly the major turning point and just. Nobody wanted that. Well, certain people did, but. Certain people did. The haters. The haters. The haters. Yeah, but I mean, like, Sylvanas, one of my favorite lore characters in Warcraft. I I don't want to see her become this bloodthirsty bitch. I mean, she always has been, but I don't need to see her murdering innocent people to to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want that. She's always been a shadow figure, and now she's in the light, and it's really messing up things for some people. And um, I know that. I know that the game needs to change. I'm excited to see where it goes is basically where I'm at. It needs to change from where it's at now. I think the direction they took it in maybe wasn't the best. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll have to see what that happens. And I'm kind of glad going back to the layoffs that we're all kind of putting this, even though it is a such a shitty situation, we're putting this positive spin on it because, I mean, it's kind of what you have to do at this point now. I mean, like, yeah, it, it happened. It's done. These people are no longer employed by Activision Blizzard. So... It's 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 pointless to sit and dwell on on why it happened or, you know, curse out Bobby Kotick or Jalen Brack for making this decision and letting these people go. They've they've already made that decision. It's done. That's business. Yeah. Now you have to put the positive spin on it and really just look at what good we can get from this situation, because it is such a crappy situation. Anyone losing their job sucks. Anytime that happens, it's a shitty situation. But. There's going to be good that comes from this because now, as we mentioned, these other teams and these other studios are going to gain employees that really know what they're doing. Yeah. Any closing comments on that before we move on? Nope. I'm I'm good. I've said my piece. 
All right. And you know what that music means. Well, you might not. Well, you do because you listen, but you've never been here before for that. Uh, Sean, we had to say goodbye to. So it was a pleasure having you on the episode this week. Um, you know, you had to go do some things on the day we recorded. So it was it was fun having him on. Casually, may he rest in peace. May he rest in peace. We've killed him. He's done. <laughs> he will be missed. Um, we'll have Frank back next week to replace Sean. So uh, we'll bring him back from the dead. But kickstart my heart this week. I found something that I, I kind of wanted to try to tailor something for you, Kyle, since it's your first time on the episode. And, and I... I know you're slightly into this kind of stuff, but I don't know if you're into it as much as I am. So let's see here. I found a game where you will develop your tavern and dare to seize the crown one day. It's called Crossroads End, which Crossroads obviously being a... I, I have to wonder if this maybe is a reference to the Barons. Of course, <laughs> from, yeah. From World Definitely. of Warcraft. But it's a fantasy tavern simulator. And it says here, dare to change your destiny in an epic adventure filled with bewitching characters, political intrigue, accompanied with a lot of beer and savory food. In Crossroads Inn, you play as an owner of a tavern located in the heart of a fantasy land of, and I want to say that's pronounced Delcris, is how I would probably say that. It's D-E-L-C-R-Y-S. Right. Your tavern is situated directly next to borders of three powerful kingdoms on the crossroads of the biggest trade routes. You face quite a challenge, how to survive in these difficult economic conditions and transform this rundown dive into a prosperous business. How to make your tavern become the topic of conversation not only for juicers and drunkards, but also rich men and nobility. You will be able to freely build and expand your tavern, offer services for the guests, manage the workers, fight for prestige and renown. Only you can decide if you want to create a natty harbor for scheming seers and exquisite um, aristocracy, or a nasty den for thieves and assassins from the quote-unquote Avery or aviary. Uh, challenge destiny and take part in an amazing adventure full of political schemes, pesky guests, and kitchen revolutions. Your weapons are tasty food and the best beer in the neighborhood. Plan ahead, tend to the guests, and watch the shipments to become the most famous innkeeper in the history of Delcris, respected by the most powerful rulers and generals. Bottoms up! Let's have a toast. Uh, what do you think, man? Looking at looking at what we're seeing here with some of the gifts and just general concept of the game, are you intrigued by this at all? The idea of the game intrigues me. Yes. A lot. And then I watched the video, went through the Kickstarter, looked at the gifts, and I'm out, man. <laughs> it's, it, it looks like Fantasy The Sims. Yes, and that's exactly what I wanted to say, because if you remember, now, are you a big Sims fan? No. Okay, me neither. But Jessica is. But there right. was there was a medieval Sims game. Right. The Sims Medieval, I think it was even called. <laughs> yeah, that was. That, I think that's what it was called. It looks like that. I thought, and and by the idea, it looked like it was going to. Be, it sounded like it was going to be a lot more RPG. You know, deal with the deal with the different people that come and level. There was a game that came out last year, I think, on the Switch called Moonlighter. Yes, and that's actually on PC as well. Moonlighter is freaking awesome, dude. That's the type of game that I was looking for here, where he ran an item shop, I think. Yes, yes. So the way Moonlighter works is you go into these dungeons, you find shit, you could sell the shit in your store, and it's so good. <laughs> right, right, right. That's kind of the idea that I think I wanted out of this game. Yeah. And it's not what it became. It, it, I mean, you watch the videos of them playing and they're building walls and placing furniture and, right. you know, like upgrading like their espresso machine, whatever, exactly the things that you would do mm -hmm. in The Sims. 
and so I don't miss The Sims at all. <laughs> For me, I understand that there is a market absolutely uh, for that game. There is. It's and, a huge market, market for that game. Oh yeah, the market is not me, and so I don't feel a need to have this game in my life at all. In its current state, in its current state. Right now, obviously, this is a Kickstarter. It hasn't even it's it's not even to at the time of recording on Saturday, February 16th. It's not even to a third of the way to its goal yet. So they're right. currently sitting at nine thousand eight hundred dollars of the thirty thousand that they're looking for. There's still twenty five days to go. By the time this post, it'll be twenty three days to go. So they've raised that money in about six days. So it probably will meet its goal if it stays on the same trajectory that it's on right now. Yes. But there's plenty of time to to make this something that might be intriguing. Now, they are saying that the estimated delivery, if you look at the pledges, is right around December 2019. And the cheapest way to get into the game is that $20 will get you the digital art book, an original game soundtrack, a digital copy of the game, beta early access, access to the Discord channel, a map in PDF form, thank you note in the credits, wallpapers, and monthly updates of the work. So 20 bucks gets you all that and is not a bad deal to get that stuff and get a copy of the game plus beta access. But I want there to be more to this. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't, I could see this appealing to the Sims market. I can exactly. see this appealing to that crowd. Which which leaves no doubt in my mind that they're actually gonna reach their Kickstarter goal because Absolutely. if there is one fan base that really does not mind spending money for the games they want, it's the Sims fans. So if if they catch hold of this game, it will reach its goal. Again, I just don't think I'm part of that market anymore. Right. Like I could see Jessica wanting to play this when it comes out. And, oh, and totally. She yeah. w- she wouldn't stay here forever. Like this wouldn't be what she did in on in, in instead of The Sims. Like she would go mm-hmm. back to The Sims. But I could mm-hmm. see her entertaining the idea of playing this for like a couple weeks just to really get a feel for it. But then going back to The Sims Four and and being totally content with leaving Crossroads in behind. And it's a it's a good looking game too. The graphics are not ugly. No, it's it's not terrible looking. I mean, it definitely it has that isometric feel to it, which all these types of games do. And it, it looks kind of like what you would expect it to look like. I kind of wish it looked like the artwork that they're showing, like in, in some of the, the images, because that looks freaking good to me. Like, I would love to see a game look like that. Yep. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I will, too. I will, too. I'm not I'm not bought on pledging to it yet. However, I'm not a habitual Kickstarter pledger. My New Year's gaming revolution is to kickstart a game this year i will pledge to a game this year something that i don't typically do i'm typically too i just look through them i think 90 percent of these games are garbage they're gonna be bad or never see the light of of day (laughs) yeah but there are some they'll never see the light of day and but absolutely you get the stardew valley every once in a while yeah little wood uh, i think is the next one that's going to be big is that the one you talked about last week? Yes, the one where it's kind of like inspiration from Animal Crossing and Dark that Cloud. That one and... looks so good. Do you have any closing comments, though? Because that's about to bring us to the close of the show this week. Closing comments. Guys, like I said before, if you if you have the ability to check out the stream, twitch.tv slash Bruce underscore deduce, D-E-D-E-U-C-E. It, it means everything just to get uh, viewers in a little bit of an audience right now. Make Streamworks Alliance a possibility and a success in the future. Also, right now, a quick plug that I have nothing to do with, the Epic Game Store, which not a big fan of, but the free game on Epic Game Store is Axiom Verge right now. Such a good game. Such a good game. The developer of that game, Tom Hap, close personal friend of mine. Oh, no shit, that's really cool. Yeah, 
Yeah. And uh, he's, I know he's really excited to get, you know, more people, their hands on that game. I played through that game, fell in love again, huge Metroid Let's get fan. him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. The huge Metroid fan. Um, and that game's, that game's great. So if you want a free game to play, go play Axiom Verge on the Epic Store, man. Yeah. I played it on PS4 and it's, it's such a good game. And mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't. And I actually you know, just much like I do with like the Twitch Prime game that they give out every month for free. I've been tagging the free stuff on the Epic Game Store. Yep. So I have it. I haven't downloaded it. I, I, I probably will play through it again on PC, but it really is a great game. That's going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Max Level made possible by leveldowngames.com. And thanks again to Dance with the Dead for all the awesome music. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you can drop on over to our YouTube channel, that's youtube.com slash games. subscribe there, and while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv slash games. click that follow button, and as Kyle mentioned, twitch.tv slash Bruce underscore deduce. Follow him there. Stay up to date on all things DreamWorks Alliance, so that way you're abreast when the, uh, when the charity event happens later this year, because I think that's going to be good. And uh, obviously we will have you back on the show in the future uh, as often as possible, man. It, it was a pleasure having you on today. I'm, I'm really yeah, glad you pleasure were able to be to make here. It. Had a ton of fun. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook would be the place to do so. Check the description box for the appropriate links. And if you want to follow, uh, follow Kyle uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Bruce Toff, right? Bruce Toff? Yes. B-R-U-C-E-T-O-P-H. Yes, sir. Yes. So follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and you will be notified whenever he goes live on Twitch as well. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach... Max! Max! Love level! level.